by faith in standing here. And perhaps you should be the one bringing the word today. Before we start, while there's an anointing in the presence, the level of the presence of God in our midst today, there are some prayer needs uh, that are going on. There's always prayer needs going on. But two uh, that have people have been crying out and asking for prayer. Oh. Okay. Um, uh, many of you know Ron and Karen Pearson. They were members of this church for many, many years until they moved to, um, you know, they had to move to Arizona. And we stay in touch with them all the time, and they come back and visit. And hopefully they'll be here uh, during the feast, maybe this year, by God's grace. Ron, uh, Ron uh, went to the hospital last week uh, with a severe hip in, uh, pain, so severe that he had to go to the hospital. And when he got there, he was having trouble breathing. They gave him some tests. They found out he had COVID. They uh, put him in the hospital immediately. Um, Karen, he, he had been, seemed to be stabilized. Uh, they were giving him uh, six liters of oxygen. And um, in order to come home, you have to be able to only need four liters a day and bring oxygen home. But um, last night at 2 in the morning, she uh, let me know that Ron had been now taken to the ICU. And he's on a respirator now. So we need you guys to pray. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. And some of you, so we pray for you, our brother Ron and Karen, because this doesn't just affect one person. We cover them both now with the blood of Jesus Christ. We just sang about the power and the all authority in Jesus' name, and we speak in your authority that you've given us to speak in. And we command your body to be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You've been with them all through it. It's always been you. And you are the one that we are depending on and trusting in right now. He healed Ron. He strengthened Karen. Be encouraged deeply in your spirit. Amen. We've also been praying for Dustin Burke. Um, he was one, uh, he was kind of a manager on the painting crew uh, that worked on the CCC. We worked side by side. He and Tasha attended church uh, recently a couple of times, uh, just recently, so some of you met them. Um, he was involved in a horrific uh, motorcycle accident a week ago Friday, so it's just been slightly over a week. Um, we went, Lonnie and I, as soon as we came back uh, from California, uh, we went up to visit him, I think, Thursday. Uh, I don't know. It's been a blur. Uh, and so I'm in the hospital. He was in uh, a drug-induced coma. He did come to a little bit. I figured he probably wouldn't remember, but he held our hands. 
and we could communicate just through his grip. And we laid our hands on him and we prayed for him. And uh, by the next day, um, they had expected uh, the respirator to go on, you know, for a while longer because his, his lungs were not operating. Uh, he had several contusions on his lungs, many broken ribs, three or four uh, cracked ver vertebrae. Um, his C1 through 4 shattered foot, you know, uh, his body being in a motorcycle. But God spared him. He landed, he, he was inches from a rock ledge when you see the pictures. <laughs> um, it was all, God was there, and he spared him. He preserved him for what Dustin spoke with me recently um, in the past few months, that he was feeling God stirring his heart, that he was feeling a call of God on his life. So we were there. We got to meet his mother and um, chat with her, too, in the ICU area. Pray with her, Dustin. Pray with Tasha, Dustin. And then we came. We were there a couple of hours. And... Um, but the next day, God moved. They took that respirator out of him. He was able to breathe enough on his own to take the respirator out because uh, that's a long time to have a respirator in you. Um, and the respirator came out. He talked a little bit. But by yesterday, she sent me pictures. He was eating a big, there was an empty plate. He was talking and saying um, lots of things and that he wanted to get out of the hospital. <laughs> and uh, so those are very good signs. He wanted to get the heck out of there. So we just pray for him. Uh, we pray for his patience now as God continues to heal his body. Uh, and, uh, you know, that he's, God, God told us before we went up there that, um, he would recover. He, he would not die. He would recover and be in the land of the living. So we rejoice. In but prayers are the way God is designed to activate heaven. Jesus told us to pray, and so we do. We take no credit. We give God all the glory. But we're part of it. We're part of it, and we're in awe when God moves his hand. Amen? There is another note here that was passed. Um, uh, there's someone named Heidi, Heidi Lacasse. And so um, she has advanced lupus, and it's attacked her organs, and she can't come but ask for prayer. So we do. We declare, according to the Father's word, that healing is for today. The power of healing is the very power and the presence of God's grace and mercy, the dunamis power of who he is. So we release right now, Heidi, to you, the power of the resurrection. We release the power of the resurrection to be quickened to your mortal body, and that every form, every origination of every form of sickness and disease comes under the authority of Jesus. And it has no place in your life. 
And we command now that it becomes subject to the blood and the power in the name of Jesus. We command the spirit of infirmity to the footstool of Jesus to leave your body and never return. And Holy Spirit, we release the power of healing. And Heidi, we just release the presence of the Lord, the confidence and the promise in him. And we also include Brian in this as well. We declare healing for you, Brian. No matter what those reports have come back, no matter what they have seen or they declare or they think they've seen, we release the power of the resurrection within your life, Brian. And we declare healing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, um, so much has happened. We headed for California exhausted. <laughs> um, and it didn't end there. It was constant running and dealing with the three-hour uh, jet lag. It hasn't ended since we returned. We returned. When did we return? We returned uh, late Tuesday night. And uh, yeah, we were on a red-eye fly up 36 hours, blah, blah, blah. Um, God's grace. It's only by God's grace to have then responded to the needs and the things that were expected of us, and God uh, gave us the grace to do. So I myself feel like I'm running on fumes. My body is. But the spirit, my flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And so I lean into him for everything at this moment. Um, I don't know where this is going. There's so much in our spirit. There's not po it is not possible for us to tell you everything that we experienced um, in that seven days, or even since we've been home. But I want to tell you that... Um, there was reconciliation. There was restoration. There's always restoration and reconciliation that needs to happen in every family. Can anybody, can I get an amen? Uh, and it was powerful. There were things that came up in the family that were heartbreaking. More shock in the midst of tragedy and heartache. And some of it may still be manifesting. But we're praying for God to have his will and for every hindering spirit to be brought down in Jesus' name. For we de I declare over my family, there will be wholeness there will be restoration, and there will be salvation. There will be salvation in Jesus' name for each one. I prayed it there. My husband prayed it there. I'm sure my sister was praying it there. Wherever two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, he's in our midst, and he hears our prayers. So... Um, 
I, I have a few pictures to show you because I, I want you to have, I don't, I, I, I don't want them to be nameless or faceless. I want to talk together. That's our precious Ryan. That's my grandnephew right there and his precious wife, Jamie. As you can see, they're not only cute and adorable, but they are so, he was defective Ryan Park. He worked on, he was a homicide detective. It takes a lot. He was saying just before this happened that he was going to hopefully transfer into cyber detective work because homicides take a toll on you. The toll, the toll it was taking was that humanity, that human beings can do the things of evil and cruelty to another human being. And it was taking a toll. Jamie was a detective. Uh, they made detective the same day. So you see in these pictures, she was pinning his new badge on him, and he was putting his. Um, their commanders and Chief Neslet of the San Diego um, Police Department said they excelled in every way. What would take typically someone in law enforcement to do in 20 years, they were able to do in 10. And they were the darlings there. They were. Uh, Ryan traveled all over the United States doing homicide investigations wherever it led him, so he had to fly and do a lot of work that way. The day this happened, it was their day off, finally, because of everything that is happening with police officers in the world today, defund police, you know, the negativity. They were working overtime, endless days to stay on top of things. Although it was their day off and they were headed to my sister, they had, um, Ryan was adorable, and he knew on my sister's bucket list that she always wanted to go to an Angels softball game, or baseball game. And so he had reserved a sweet box for them and had it catered. And so because of COVID, the rules got changed as we were there. Uh, and the state opened up even more once we arrived. Um, my sister was so excited about going. It was that Friday. He had sent her new jackets and everything printed with their names, and they had new shoes. And they were walking right out the door. They were headed for the Angels game to meet up with Ryan. Ryan and Jamie had rented a room down in Anaheim so they wouldn't have to leave. They could stay up, ha have a place to go visit after the game. And as my sister was walking out the door, um, Ryan's brother called and said, Grandma, are you sitting down? And she said, no, no, I'm, we're walking out the door right now. Grandpa's getting his shirt on, and I'm going out to the car right now. He says, you need to sit down, Grandma. And he, she said, no, I'll sit, I'll, we'll talk in the car. And then he said, no, Grandma, you have to sit down. And then she said, she took her phone, she screamed, no, I will never sit down. She thought it was to do with her daughter, his mom, Ryan's mom. She threw her phone. Larry was like trying to figure out what was going on. She was ripping her clothes off and running out the door. And, Ron, and Jonathan said, Jamie and Ryan are dead. 
they've been killed in a head-on car accident. The car accident was head-on a woman. It was a wrong driver. Jamie and Ryan were in a place. They should have been on their way to the Anaheim game. They had just communicated with my nephew, Jeremy, that they were on their way. But somewhere they got a call from the station that one of Jamie's cases, they'd just gotten the tip. It was on their day off. Rules were they had to go back to the department, they had to pick up a, an unmarked car, and they had to go down. They couldn't use their own vehicle for it. So when this accident happened, they were actually in a department vehicle, unmarked. So it was pretty small. <laughs> you know, it was a little Ford Focus. And this woman was driving at 90 miles an hour. And they were, of course, driving whatever the speed limit was when the impact occurred head on in the fast lane. Um, I'm sure that person that let them know of that tip, I, I really prayed for them because I can't imagine how they were feeling. They wouldn't have been there that day. But during the funeral, during the memorial service, one of the speakers said, one of, the, one of the policemen there, or detective, said, these two were adamant about taking care of the community. They were there to give up their lives at any moment. And the only way they could reconcile it is that Jamie, in their last moments, save the lives of the car behind them because if they hadn't been there. I only wish I knew who those people were that God spared. I only wish I knew the answers. Why did God spare those people? So there are last acts on this earth. that. So that's our dear Jamie and Ryan. Their watch ended June 4th. And of course I heard about it that night. We were having a leadership meeting at our house. Um, we'd had a dinner and we had a lot of business to talk about that night. And that call from my sister came there with the three hours difference. Let's go to the next slide quickly. There again they are, just smiling. Sweethearts, those are the name badges. They made those wristbands that the family could wear. At the funeral, those are their numbers. Um, outside Maranatha Chapel <clears throat> in Rancho San uh, Bernardo, the two long fire trucks, two big fire trucks with cranes came and lifted that flag. It was ginormous. It doesn't look ginormous in this picture, but it was amazing. Um, we were the first ones to arrive for the um, celebration of life that day. And so we had opportunity to take a few of these pictures before the family and everybody arrived. There were hundreds of police officers there already. but um, And the brigade had just brought in um, the uh, car brigade had just brought in their bodies. You'll only see one casket in these pictures. It was because it was decided um, 
they would bury them together, side by side. They were placed facing each other in the casket. Of course, it was a closed casket. Um, but to picture the two of them in love forever, and they will be buried side by side forever. So let's go to the next one. This is the hearse that brought the body and part of the motorcycle and car uh, motorcade that came. And uh, they were just getting ready to um, wait for the parents, the other family members, to arrive. Um, and we would follow the body into the chapel. The bodies into the chapel. We'll take the next one. That, I just wanted you to see some of my family. The um, man on the right was one of Ryan's best friends. That was the chaplain of the San Diego Police Department. Um, the man on the left is my nephew, Jason. Uh, niece, Corey. This, the gal with the blonde hair in the center is my sister, Debbie. And that's my brother-in-law, Larry. And of course, you know Lonnie. Just to the right of Lonnie is um, Veronica, who is Jason's wife. And she was taking pictures for us. I'm not sure who that person is there next to the chaplain, but we can go to the next one. Um, that's the chaplain, a better face. Um, he did a lot. He did so much to help everyone get through this. Um, as I said, they were best friends. You know, he's at the wedding. And there's Lana. That's my niece, Lana, and that is Ryan's mother. And again, my sister is on the right. These are just some pictures that they had that they were showing during um, the celebration of life that are just casual in their everyday life, having out having some fun together. They were always together. The next one. Um, <laughs> Just in front of me was my sister and Larry and my other nephew, Jason, uh, Jesse, on the left. Um, they were talking about Ryan at that point. And you see him in his running. You see the thing that was being displayed there. He was in his running uh, shorts. My, my niece was a single mother. She raised five little boys by herself. Her husband was a great guy. Genius guy, smart. He worked in drug rehabilitation and human services. But Rick became an addict. And he couldn't get off it. He never did. And so for Lana, as long as she stayed trying to support and make this work and get him the help he needed, they divorced. And so she was a single mother of four boys. And then she had another one in another relationship later. That's Jamie and Ryan there, and one of the officers. What happened continuously from the time that they found them, they talked about how they found them at the accident. They came upon it. It was shocking. They had no idea. It was their fellow family. They're there together hours on end. It's just like us. They're family. 
And they were just in shock. And they were just like, this can't be. Can you imagine me coming upon an accident that was as horrific as that? It was horrific. And they just said there was nothing we could do. And we're all about doing everything we can do for people. But there was this was our kids, is what they said. These were our kids, and there was nothing we could do. So they were heartbroken. From that time, one of the things that they do is their bodies were never alone. Somebody was with them. There was a motorcade that brought them to the coroner's office. There was someone on guard. There was an officer on guard 24-7 at the coroner's office. Then there was the motorcade that took them to the mortuary. There was a, an officer and officers that relieved each other 24 hours a day until the entire time. And so as we were sitting there, the guard would change about every 15 minutes. There would be another set of two officers that would come and stand. This went on. When we walked in, there were hundreds. So there were about 3,000 there for this funeral that day. So it's been difficult to mourn in such a public way because the news media have been there 24-7 and on and on and interviews. And it's been very, very difficult for my family to mourn what would be traditionally in that way. Um, People Magazine uh, was there. And so it's just been so different. So. Ryan was running. My niece, what I started to tell you, is she had nothing. She had no money. Sometimes those boys went to bed hungry. That's all there was to it. It just wasn't enough. And she worked day and night. She had educated herself, you know. But there wasn't enough. And um, she taught those boys how to run. They, didn't have, they couldn't go to the movies. They couldn't do anything. She took them out, and she taught them all to run. So he became a track star in his high school, and later on, uh, running, running, running. Several village, uh, vigils all over the state of California took place um, you know, in honor of them. And one of them was at Whittier High School. Uh, and Ryan ran. There is a, it was called the Barstow Las Vegas Run. And it's an annual run, and people from all police departments in the United States come. They send someone from their department that has a chance to win this thing. And so Ryan had been running that race, uh, representing the San Diego Police Department for years. And they are now going to call it the Ryan Park Las Vegas Run. So let's, that's him in his running clothes. So let's go to the next one. This is at the funeral, uh, at the burial. It was about 25 minutes. The service was over two hours long. And then we went outside. We went through, as we walked out, as the family walked out, we went between three to 400 officers, all saluting at once. It was very powerful. And then um, the bagpipes were playing there as well. And then, of course, we all drove 
At every overpass of the interstate, there were police officers or people gathered on the overstates. There were fire engines with people standing up on top of them, waving as the motorcade went through. Um, it was like nothing else I've ever seen or ever been to or, you know, it was amazing in every way, their tribute to those two. And we can play this just for a moment so you can, this was just as, was a hard moment. At one of the vigils at the Whittier High School, when they were there to celebrate the mayor and uh, various police departments were there, um, the family got together there, not every single one, but most of those, all, all of those are part of my family, so you never get to see my family. But. Um, you can see Justin down in front on his knees holding his brother and Jamie's picture. And Lana is standing by my brother-in-law, my sister. We, this happened before we flew to California, or we would have been there. But um, we did have an opportunity to drive by later that day. And then the, the last picture is a beautiful flag that was made by someone Someone, this is all wood, and you see dog tags there. Um, the, the, all the officers, they got together and they made those dog tags um, with pictures of Jamie and them on it. So it's 5 after 11 already today, and there's a message. The grace of God is sufficient. Some translations say the grace of God is enough. Enough. And when you're in your situations of life, whatever yours are, this is life and death. 
um, we try to fill in the holes with something that's self-reliant or the go-to. But they just, it doesn't work. It's the grace of God that fills those holes. It's the grace of God. It fills those holes. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the Apostle Paul. You know, just before we left here, we had a word. We had a word on the grace of God. Little did I know I would be walking in that word in such a magnitude. Paul said, he quoted Jesus. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Sufficient. My grace is enough for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. It's the power that strengthens you in every weakness to do what God commands. Be strong. Be courageous. These are the commands of God. Forgive. Be reconciled. Don't give in to evil. Do not sin. The other scripture we know is do not receive the grace of God in vain. What does that mean? It means that God's gift of grace that came to you even saved you, his saving grace, because of your faith and belief in Jesus Christ in the first moments of your born-again life has saved you. It wasn't because you can boast that you did something good. It's just because of his grace. That is enough. That is sufficient. His saving grace. Don't take it in vain. It means don't take it in emptiness. It means don't ignore it. It's the gift of God, and he gives it abundantly. Grace. The grace of God is power. It's when I get up and I'm facing something, and I go, I can't do this. I can't tell you how many times I heard that. How many times my sister, a woman of faith, said, I, 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 I can't do this. I said it to Lonnie, I'm not sure. I would hit another moment in a situation there, and I'd say, I, I just don't know if I can do this. But it's the grace of God. It, it, it comes upon you. And you don't take it in vain. I could have been there and chosen and make other decisions. That would have been taking, receiving the grace of God in vain. But I received it not in vain, and he enabled me. It's like that I could be here. It's like I could come back and do this, and I could tell you. For by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of your works. So no one can boast. 
Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence, not with I can't do this, but with confidence in him, in our very weakness, when the flesh is weak and frail, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Grace is unlimited. It's unlimited. Never underestimate how God's grace can change your situation. Did it bring them back to life? No. It didn't change the circumstance we were facing, but it changed the situation and how we could deal with it. Amen. This is what happens when the grace of God comes upon you. It is the grace of God. My precious niece, Lana, his mom. I told her, I said, Lana, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And she said, Auntie Kathy, for three days I was... Broken. But after three days, he started putting back together. She said, I, I have to be strong for my sons. I have to show them how to walk through this with God's grace. I've got to show them how to handle this if God forbid they ever encounter this again in their lives. I have to do this for Jesus and his grace is enough. There's two things that come to mind. Been through this in the past three Three weeks. When we came back, we had to set up for another memorial service. A police detective here in town, a local police detective who died during COVID, and there was no memorial service. Tom Lyman was a good friend. Lonnie. Grieving, coming back from grieving, more grieving, more grace, the grace of God that was needed. That was Friday, and the next day, we, over Friday, we cleaned up after that, and we set up for yesterday. Carrie Davis used to come to this church. She came to this church for six years. She moved to North Carolina. When she got married, her sister Michaela came here. Her sister Michaela lived with Lonnie and I. Oh, just under a year, she came to this church. She used to love to do flags. I mean, she worked hard. She was setting a new course for her life. She continued in that vein by moving to North Carolina and living with Carrie and Josh for the year before she died. She died in February. Totally unexpectedly. Shockingly. And we just, they had a memorial down there for her. 
but we did one up here yesterday with the family and friends from Vermont. More grieving, more ministry, more love. Going to Destin's hospital room, seeing him in a coma on a respirator, his body broken, the emotions. God's grace is enough. God's grace will be sufficient. Our prayers mixed with faith and faith actions based on the grace of God will enable us to carry through. But these, three, these four things that I've just named for you, my question to you is, are you ready? How can I bring this message without asking that question to you? Are you ready? We hear from pulpits across America, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming soon. And he is coming soon. But he comes to return to the earth. I have no doubt he is coming at the appointed time. But there is another appointed time that is written for each and every one of us. Our days are numbered. Are you ready? Are you ready? Dustin wasn't on his way. They were going to camping. They were going camping when this happened. He wasn't expecting this to happen. They had their camping equipment. They were spending the last weekend. Accident. Jamie and Ryan... That wasn't their plan. Their plan was to be with family. Wonderful plans, joyous plans. That was filling their hearts until the rest of my family said they kept calling him and like he wasn't there and like he wouldn't answer his phone. My nephew got the call. Jeremy got a call from someone, uh, uh, the chaplain, and said they, Jamie and Ryan have been been killed I'm a, in, a, in a car accident. And he goes, no, who is this? This is a prank. What kind of a prank is that? He actually shut his phone off. He, he just couldn't know. What kind of a prank is this? No, this can't be happening. And then he Googled it. And it was on the news already. They were dead. He wasn't ready for this. Are you ready? Are you ready for what life faces you with? Are you ready to meet your maker, your creator? Are you ready for the return of Jesus Christ? We have today. In 2 Peter 3 and 3 and 4, it says that people will be mocking the return of Christ. They will say, he's not coming. How about the people that you know that tell you, I believe in science. I don't believe in that stuff. I don't believe in fairy tales. It's the same in Jesus' day as it is in ours. It's the same. The two words, if you get anything else out of this, is be ready. 
Jesus is coming back. He is coming soon. And you better be, because when the appointed time comes, either for you or that he returns to this earth, he's coming regardless. He didn't ask for permission. It's the appointed time that only the Father knows for his ultimate return here to receive his own. He will come regardless. There were appointed times for Moses and Israel to come out of bondage. There was the appointed time for Jesus to come to the earth. There was the appointed time for him to die and fulfill Passover. There was the appointed time that the Holy Spirit was appointed to come and release himself into all of humanity at Pentecost. The appointed time of the fall feasts are coming and when the trumpets blow and God fulfills the appointed times, it's going to happen. He's coming back. And there's an appointed time that he's coming for you. In Psalm 139, it tells us that our days are numbered. Psalm 139.16, our days are numbered. It's even written in the book about you in heaven. Your days were numbered before you were in your mother's womb, according to God's plan and purpose. And so I stand again on one of my lifetime scriptures. I have... Several, but this is a predominant one I learned as a young Christian. When I faced crisis and tragedy and heartache, I faced it with Romans 8, 28. That says, for all things, for all things shall work together for good for them who love God and are called according to his plan and his purposes. And so at times that we've experienced recently, like Ron being in the hospital on a ventilator, I have no answers, but I have prayers. I have no answers, but I have hope. I have no answers, but I have trust in the one that has always been with us. We sang it. It's always been you. You have always been there in our today. And if we make it till tomorrow, you will be there. One of the men that spoke at the funeral, at the memorial, said they were just talking, we laughed, we cried. One was saying, you know, I'd go up to Ryan, he'd be at his desk, and I'd be inviting him to things, you know. Hey, you guys are invited to this, you guys are invited to that. And, they, you know, this happened all through the 10 years they were there. And Ryan would say, it's tentative. It's tentative. Are you coming? It's tentative. And, you know, one day, one day he was just like after years of hearing it's tentative and Ryan say that, you know, he, he said he'd be working, you know, with his nose into his notes. And, and I just said, look, Ryan, I've got to have an answer. I, I need a real answer. What's with this it's tentative? And Ryan just looked up at him and he said, it's tentative. We don't know if we'll be here. We don't know. 
I'll be there if it's God's will. How can we be ready? Nobody can do that for you but you. I can't get you ready. I can't get Lonnie ready and he can't get me ready. It's your business to get ready. I can tell you some of the things you can do. You can get in touch with him. You can stay in close contact with the master. You can know and be ready. Lonnie has talked recently, as in the days of Noah, and Jesus is the one that said, when I return, when I'm coming back, at an appointed, unexpected time, nobody knows but the Father, but you can be ready. It'll be like in the days of Noah. People will be getting married. They'll be drinking. They'll be partying. They'll be doing everything. But he's going to let you know the season. If you're in tune with him, how would he not? Would it keep anything from you? There would be an awareness, an awareness, an awareness. Are you ready? You can, you can meditate on the word. You can get in the word. You can have oil. Jesus gave a parable. It was all in Matthew 24 and chapter 25. Read them. He, read, he writes all kinds of, he speaks and writes, all, tells all kinds of parables about the ten virgins. These are Christians. These are virgins. This is, this is what this is about. They're waiting for their bridegroom to come. And five are wise and five are foolish. I don't want you to be a foolish virgin. Because they came and they were waiting. They were waiting. They were in anticipation. They knew that Jesus would be coming. Just to know it is not enough. You have to be ready. They all brought their lamps. Five brought their lamps plus extra oil. And the others just brought their lamps. And when, Jesus, when, the, when the bridegroom was tarrying in the story and didn't, it was taking longer than they expected, they ran, five of them ran out of oil. And then when the shout came that he was coming, the bridegroom was coming, they went to the five wise ones and said, well, give us some of your oil. Because we ran out, you know, when we our lamps went out while we were sleeping. And they said no. They said no. We won't have enough for, no, we brought this. We won't have enough. You go into town and buy some. And while they went into town to make their purchases, the bridegroom came and they went into the marriage feast. And when they came back and they wanted in, and they knocked on the door. Jesus said, uh, sorry, guys. I never knew you. I never knew you. These were virgins. These were people that knew about him. But they didn't know him. Get ready. Only you can do it. Get in the word. Be in his presence. Be prepared. Don't get caught up in this world and all its trappings. We have today, by God's grace. We don't know anything beyond that. But I beseech you to be ready. Don't be caught by surprise. Noah wasn't caught by surprise. He'd been building that ark. So when the floods came, 
Noah wasn't in the dark. He was in the ark. Okay? He wasn't surprised. Let's not be surprised. We don't have to be. We don't have to be. God's grace is enough. Be ready. Because he's returning for the earth and his own. And he will one day come for you. Money. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm just going to take about five minutes. Reconciliation. That's what Kathy started out with. Going to California, seeing all the settings that are taking place. I'm just going to read John 10.10. 10. It says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have life abundantly. The deceiver, our adversary, his main purpose is, is to separate, divide us, separate us from God, separate us from relationship, separate us from the things that we can actually reconcile, see made whole, see a place we're committed and a part of where once was maybe separated or divided. As it was in the days of Noah, the adversary is the god of this world. And when Kathy is saying it's important that we, we get our lives in order, we reconcile, get things right with God, right with one another. For that four or five weeks, I spoke about as it was in the days of Noah, or as the days of Noah were. All the things about the deceiver, the one that wants to separate, divide you. This last year and a half, and these are the things that I saw at work in California, and I've just been more apparent or more aware of it since we've come back. For this last year and a half, our senses have been so deluded by what they've called as a pandemic. The one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Relationship, fellowship, hopes, dreams, destiny, purposes, planning, vacations, any of it. And what I've been so amazed at is that this world are like lost sheep and they have just followed it hook, line, and sinker. We started out with the belt of truth. There isn't anything. There isn't anything that the God of this world has not touched with what appears to be light or truth. Every form of media, every news broadcast, everything that has now publicly been adhered to for this last year and a half called science, called whatever you will, the God of this world is apprehended 
humanity. But the reconciler has been at work. Ephesians chapter 1. He says, in the administration of all things, that means when the closure of this age comes, I'm going to gather all things, all things in Christ, both in heaven and in earth. So what I want to leave you with, as I've been very careful of how I've talked about, really it's maybe two years ago, Passover, as in the days of Noah were, the one thing that you can be sure of, that the God of this world, His greatest power besides dividing, is the old mighty dollar. Money. The economy. And I just humbly ask you just to begin to watch in this next week. If there was anything that would affirm affirm what I truly believe God is about to reveal and prepare a people for, you take all those words that came over this last year and a half, two years, not being deceived. Just watch this next week. the world economy changes, if things start changing, you can look at the dollar first. That's where it's going to appear. Then we can all go before the Lord because I believe that's part of that five wise versions, virgins. There had to be something inside of them that caused them to say, you know what? Something's not right here. You know what? He seems like he's being delayed, but you know what? I'm going to have my lamp filled with oil. I'm not going to miss. Because he has many appearings, you know. And I'm not going to be off buying and selling and carrying on life is normal, thinking, oh, they said he's been coming for 2,000 years. No. Or Lonnie was speaking about, yeah, as in the days of Noah were. No, that's just, just in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm just asking you in this next week, just begin to have the oil of his anointing, eyes to see, ears to hear, saying, Lord, let me see, but also, first and foremost, get right with him. If there's places that you know that you're distant from him, because he's never distant from you. Hello? He's never distant from you, but there are times that we're distant from him. Get close. Get close. Draw upon those that you trust. And as I really, really believe that hedge of protection, that wing of the Almighty is here to guard and protect you. But I just encourage you, eyes to see, ears to hear, 
the Spirit of the Lord is saying in this next week. Amen? So, Father, the healings that we've declared this morning, the miracles with Dustin, we're believing for Ron, we're believing for your niece, what's her name? Heidi. Oh, and Chad, that's right. Chad's in the hospital. Father, we ask for intervention on Chad. He has a blood clot. He had a seizure. Passed out somehow, probably knocked himself out, found him unconscious on the floor. He's in the hospital now in Pennsylvania. Father, this word that has come with Ryan and Jamie, all of those that, Father, that you have brought a preparation for us to really know the urgency of the time that we, Michaela, we have the urgency of today, while well, we can still call it today, that your grace is sufficient. We lay hold of that for one another, for ourselves, for our family, for this family, for all of those, Father, that we have relationship with, and that we don't have to be afraid. In Jesus' name. And I'll close with this. All of the unfortunate things that have taken place in the midst of this loss of life and Lana being the mother and having to, unfortunately, have to navigate through a lot of things that should have never taken place during memorial funeral setting. We had a couple of hours with her. And one thing, after all of the conversation, what we did is we brought her back. We just said, Lana, remember who you are in God. And she said, I've forgotten. And she says, I need to take that back. I need to put that mantle back on. So if anything this morning, let's not lose our identity of who we are. Amen. So for those of you that have been online, blessings. Things are not as they appear. I'm going to leave it with that. I'm sorry? In Jesus' name.